Praise the Lord. I have to say it's hard for me to comprehend that one day angels will bow their holy heads. If you can imagine it. When the redeemed are gathered there and we are changed by the power of God. The prophet said that the angels will circle the earth with bowed heads as we are singing and worshiping and blessing our God. Wow. Those of us which were lost and seemingly without a hope, and yet angels will have to hold their peace while we sing. That's wonderful, isn't it? Let's turn tonight to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 12, verse 17. I'm just happy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's wonderful for us to be gathered together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17. Let's look tonight by the help of the Lord on a parallel of Israel in the Old Testament and the church, of course, in the New Testament. And we'll pick up this where Paul is speaking about the body. If the whole body were an eye, were, were the hearing. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body. Now listen how he does it. And he asks you all if you're okay with it, and then if you all agree with him, then he, as it hath pleased him. So you mean he doesn't even ask us it's, if, it's, if it's okay? I guarantee you what I'd answered him if he'd have said, I want you to preach, you okay with that? I'd have said, no, sir, I'm not. I have a problem with that. That's what I told him. Whenever he called me, I said, no, I, I don't want to preach. I can't preach. No, no. I made all kinds of excuses. Moses did. Brother Ram did. Ever God called man well. That's right. But God didn't even ask me. He didn't ask me if it's okay. Then he calls me into the ministry, and then he don't ask me which one I want. Saying, so, what kind of God is this? An almighty one. So he tells you what to do. And the strange thing about it is, he makes you like it. <laughs> and you think, well, really, in all reality, I wouldn't want to do anything else but please him. And you think, did I just say that? Did that come out of my mouth? Did I honestly say I want to do what I don't want to do, but I want to do what he wants me to do, even though I don't want to do that, even though I don't want to do it at all? And you say, but really, would you want to be anything else? No, I wouldn't. And you wouldn't either if you're called of God. So he sets it in the body as it has pleased him. I mean, let's be remembered tonight as we pray. Erica went to her cancer doctor the other day and he told her about an immunotherapy drug that they wanted her to try. Immunotherapy works different than um, the other things that she's done. The immunotherapy, there's like 105 or so right now. They're constantly making them. But they work with your immune system. And they beef up the T cells. And it just depends on what type of cancer, of course, you have and things. But Erica's 
insurance last week turned her down. I don't know why, because this treatment wasn't but 40000 a month. But somehow, somebody must have got a prayer through, because this week, she got approved. <clears throat> so now, instead of the Parker family paying 40000 they will pay $4 a month. So, Brother Donnie, what's your view of it? Well, my view of it is this. Almighty God is her healer. If he wants to use a little dab of chemo and a little dab of immunotherapy and a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of this and that and other, I really don't care how he does it. I just want her healed. So I guess it was supposed to come in today and she'll, she'll begin that so you'll remember her in prayer. I'm just waiting every day myself for the angel of the Lord to pass through her house and make her well. We're not just believing God that these cancer cells are gonna die in the liver and in the brain and wherever else that they might be. I'm asking God for this, that he'll restore every side effect the chemo has caused. Every side effect that's still there because of the other things. Hey, look, you know the prophet said, ask God for big things and many of them. So why should we ask just for healing and kind of resume from that? Why not ask for a complete restoration? Amen. Where the doctors say it's all in her liver. But I'll tell you one thing. My daddy's the first one to ever make a liver. He can make another one. So whatever you need tonight, ask God for great things. And many of them. Or are you like the little fish in the ocean that would say, I better drink of this water sparingly. What if the Pacific runs out? What if the Atlantic runs out or a little mouse in the garners of Egypt and there's millions of grains in that garner and he says, I better allot myself to maybe one grain per day because what if this famine goes on for maybe 12 or 14 years? God gave you a checkbook. Brother Darrell preached it to us several years ago and the deposit's already made in your name, in your account. He knew everything you'd ever need from the day you got saved to the day you die or the day you're raptured. And he's covered everything you'll ever need from that point on. Are you afraid to cash the check? Let's believe him tonight, shall we? I mean, like to be remembered as we pray. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we count it such an honor that we could be gathered together here tonight, Lord, in your great presence. We thank you, Father, that we're not only here in the visible audience of many, many hundreds of your children. But Lord God, there's a greater number than that. There's a great host of your angels. We believe that they are here with us, Father. They encamp about us. Lord God, we just ask tonight that you would take this service and speak to us from your word. We say it a lot, Lord, but we, we're a needy people. We know that. But our God has all of our needs covered. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bring all their petitions before you tonight. 
We agree together for the sick, for the wounded, the afflicted. Lord, those that are sad, oppressed, whatever their need is tonight. Would you speak to them, Lord, your word. May your presence come and arrest us, as it were. Hallelujah. May your love conquer us. And then may the banner be stretched over us with your name written all over it, Father. Speak to us tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. For his sake and for his glory. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Turn with me to Numbers chapter 1, verse 52. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard, throughout their host. So the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp. Notice the divisions. So there's camps and there are different standards. And every man by his own standard throughout their host. Notice verse 53. But the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony. Now listen why. That there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. So they're going to be to the east, the west, the north, and the south. But the Levites are in a different position. The Levites are going to be all around the tabernacle. For what reason? So none of the children of Israel will die. So you mean the Levites are standing there as part of God's mercy so that the Shekinah glory will not kill any of the tribes. Now, why would that be so essential and so necessary? You see, so that no man, not being a Levite, would approach this sacred, holy place. So, someone from the tribe of Reuben, which was the firstborn, from the tribe of Gad, Naphtali, Issachar, on down, on down, on down, they could not come directly themselves, and if anyone tried to approach that spot, the Levites would have stopped them. So the Levites were God's bumper of grace that would separate the people of God from his presence of them entering in to divine judgment. Now, you know, God has always had a ministry he himself was the first one that ministered to his children in the Garden of Eden. And now we can see the anatype of the New Testament church. That even though every believer in the New Testament will have direct access to the throne of God. They don't have to have a priest, of course, to pray for them. But they will have a ministry 
which will stand there in the presence of God and bring a constant reminder to the rest of the body, the flock, the thoughts of God and the divine protocol of God on how to approach Him. So, you know, it makes me feel really sad and heavy for those who feel like they really don't need a minister, they really don't need a preacher. Well, first of all, they don't believe the setting of the Old Testament or the setting of the New. Now, God Himself is the one that sets a certain order. Now, I realize a lot of people, they identify order as organization, but God doesn't. You see, God has always had order, and He always will. But what man does, man tries to take an organizational system and replace the divine order of God. And if we're not careful, we are independents, of course, and we don't want any organization. We don't want no system over us at all. But being independents, if we're not careful, it will tend to make us to where we defy any order whatsoever. So we then think that we are outside of the divine protocol of God or the order of God. Notice in Numbers chapter 2, verse 17, then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp. As they encamp, so shall they set forward. Now notice how they're to set. The rest of the tribes are setting somewhat different. But the Levites, every one of them, no matter which side they are on, they all have one common goal, and that is they are setting forward toward the midst of the camp. Now notice how Moses writes this. So they shall set forward. So none of them were allowed to camp backwards. None of them were allowed to camp sideways. None of them could take their tent and turn it away from the tabernacle of testimony. They were forbidden. The only way the Levites could camp was forward. So God never leads any God called man to ever lead you backwards. Every God called man will always lead the people of God in a forward direction. So for those who have hung around the message for years and years and desire to take the people back in whatever direction that might be. Now some, of course, want to go back to 1906 Pentecost. Well, I've been there and done that. You ain't taking me back there. I want to go back to Pentecost, but the Acts 2 one, not the 1906 one. Come on, somebody. Well, then there's others that don't want to go back to Pentecost, but they revert back to Baptist or they revert back to Church of Christ or whatever they were and then they take the message theology and then their church has become as dead as a hammer. They don't even believe in the move of the Spirit of God anymore. But no God called man is ever going to take you backwards in the sense to an organizational system because his tent always pitches forward. 
Now, what was the representation of the tabernacle sitting in the middle? Now, notice then, as every man is in his place by their standards. Now, remember, this is a God of order. So they couldn't just say, you know what? I'd like to be over there. Or let's just say it what people say today. I I, I feel led. I, I feel led to go over there. Now, actually, I'm of the tribe of Reuben, we'll say. And and me and Brother Fred, we're really good buddies. And Brother Fred, no doubt, he would have been of the tribe of Judah because he's a praise guy. He loves to praise, loves to worship the Lord. And and Brother Fred would have no doubt been in the tribe of Judah. And I'd say, you know what? I, I, I really like hanging around Brother Fred. And I like some of these other praise folks. So I, I think that I, I feel led myself to go over there and kind of camp out with Judah. Because after all, ain't we all going to the same place? And ain't we all worshiping the same God? But I was forbidden by God himself to do that. Because I was committed to camp in a certain camp under a certain standard. Well, praise the Lord. So I could not just say, well, I feel led to go over there this week and then I feel led to be over there next week and I feel led to be over there the next week. And as a matter of fact, if you run that through the New Testament, you'll never even find them words. Well, I feel led to do this and I feel led to do that and I feel led to do that. But you see, one reason people like that so much is because the way they look at it, that trumps the word. No matter what the word says, if they feel led to do this or that or the other, then you know what? That's higher than the word. That shows you a non-Holy Ghost filled person. Anybody that's got the Holy Ghost will never put any feeling above God's word. They will judge whatever they feel led to do by God's word. And if God's word says something different than what they feel led to do, they'll say that was the devil because God's word is always right. Is anybody gonna say amen with me tonight? Now you see, they did not have a choice of where they could be. Now no doubt some of them that were Reubenites and they might have been natured more like Gadites. Or maybe some of the Gadites would have been natured, humanly I'm talking about, like the Issacharites. And they'd say, well, you know what? I actually like them better. I like that camp over there better. God never gave them a choice. God said, if you are of Gad, you go there. God didn't say, is that okay with everybody? But God said, that's where you go. And you camp in your family. Now, they could not do as they wished to do. They could not do what they wanted to do. But they had to go where God told them to go. Anybody preaching with me tonight? So it was not a camp in a random manner. That they was here and then they was over there. And you say, well, where's brother so-and-so? Oh, well, he, he felt led to, uh, to move. Well, he, he felt led to go over here to this other camp. And uh, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he was part of this camp right here. And this was his post of duty. And, and his seats are not being filled there because him and his wife and son and daughter was there. Oh, yeah, but, but he decided he wanted to go over here or go over there. That's not the way it works. Uh, let me just give you an update. That's not the way it works in a Holy Ghost filled church in the New Testament either. Mm-mm. 
Now watch, this is God's own choice. Remember, this place is God's place of worship. So God is a God of order and a God of efficiency and a God of divine protocol that hates confusion. God is not the author of confusion, whether it's in a church or in a family or whatever it is, or a move of God. God is not the author of confusion. The devil does that. So God wanted them to be arranged in a camp manifest. So they would have known exactly where each person was. So when the tribe of Gad was set up and God himself was the one that even told them, cause remember there's gonna be four directions and God himself was the one that told them which ones to go east, which ones to go west, north and south. They did not randomly draw it. It was not a lottery. They did not vote. He was not even asking them, which side do you want? God told them himself. And Moses being the mouthpiece of God was the one that God used and gave this manifest now to the people. So the various tribes of Israel had to be placed in order and the whole had to be put under a strict regulation. This was needful for encampment, for the march, and for worship. Now remember, people get in their mind that order, well, that they think that's bondage. You know, oh my, anything we've got to do. I hear some of the message preachers make their remarks every now and then, and I don't mind to tell you, it rubs this preacher the wrong way. That they will make their remarks about church order. And I've heard some of the message preachers kind of, you know, saying that in a slanderous way, in a way of a reproachful way, but I would like to remind those preachers, the same prophet that you quote about Acts 2 and the same prophet that you quote about Pentecost and the same prophet that you quote about miracles, signs, and wonders is the same prophet that use the words church order. Unless, of course, we're gonna start running a cafeteria and we're gonna make the message like a cafeteria. And we go through and pick out which quotes we want and which ones we don't want. Church order, if it's run exactly the way God's prophet said it was set up, because whether or not you all believe it, he was following exactly the direction from St. Paul. And if it's run exactly that way, church order is not sent to take out gifts. It's not to sent to take out the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But I'll tell you what it's sent for. It's to keep people who are in the flesh operating so-called gifts that are not even prophesying in the first place. And they give wrong tongues and they give wrong interpretation. Well, come on, somebody. It's sent to weed them out so we can have real genuine ones instead of ones that ain't even real. Now you believe whatever you wanna believe. I do not believe my God hits and misses. I do not believe that if a person is speaking in tongues and interpreting or prophecy, whichever way that it is, I do not believe it will hit three out of five. 
I do not believe it will hit four out of five. If it's God, it will hit five out of five. I do not believe a man with real genuine discernment is going to hit two out of five, three out of seven, four out of eight. I believe a real gift of God from the presence of God, God does not lie. And remember when Brother Branham set his own church in order, it was for that reason, and some of the people left, of course, and went to Junior Jackson's church because he didn't believe in church order. And so Brother Branham, you know, deals with it, question answers on the seals, question answers 64 again, and he tells them that a lot of the people were speaking in tongues and saying things that never did happen. It was not even prophecy in the first place. Yea, the Lord say, I'm coming soon. That ain't prophecy. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me. He said, God does not repeat repetitious things and God does not repeat, you know, scripture. Yea, the Lord say, I'm coming soon. That is not prophecy. And yet some of our message people are going right back in the same way. Oh, look, friends, I'm gonna preach whistle without you. It's up to you. I'm trying my best to hold a standard up before you all. Do you want a standard with my picture on it? Is this what we're wanting in our church? I'll tell you some of the standards that are being raised in the message. It's got the pictures of the message people's favorite preacher. And if you look around, you'll see all kinds of standards that are being raised in the message. Now a standard is an ensign or a flag. And it's something that people rally around. It was the custom of the Romans that they would have a standard which was the Roman standard. And then they would also have a standard of their leading general, Vespasian, or whoever more it was. So they would have a mixture of several standards when they would go out to battle. So they would have the Roman standard. And then if this particular platoon was from a centurion was there, he might have a standard. And there would be a general that would have his standard. I'll tell you one thing if you're very spiritual tonight and you'll think back to every man-made move that has been in this message. And you look at the standard that was raised when they raised it up. You know what you'll find on that standard? It will not be the tabernacle of testimony. It will not be the tabernacle of the congregation, but it will be the image of some preacher. You look at every one of these moves that have been in our ranks and look and see if a preacher is not the main one that started. Boy, some of y'all are quiet on a bunch of Baptists tonight. And you look at every one of them and look how they started and look how they end. And if it is a man-made move, it will come to naught. Amen, Amen, Brother Donnie. Well, I can preach an amen to if I need to. It just take me doubly long. I'm about to preach two hours and a half in order to get an hour sermon. Or you all can say amen and I'll work an hour and 10. But you see, myself, I'm not interested in having a standard hanging over our church with my picture on it or some other man's picture on it. I'll tell you who I want to be on our standard, the Lord Jesus himself. Well, come on, amen. Now you see, God is this God of order. So the children of Israel would be gathered under this order. So there would be, now listen so you understand it. Each tribe would have its own standard. But when it come to them setting around the tabernacle and when it come to them marching 
And when it come to them worshiping, they were divided into four major groups. So now there's 12 birthstones and there's 12 standards. Each tribe has a birthstone, each tribe has a standard. But when they set up around the tabernacle, which is their position in Christ, as we look at it in the New Testament, there was four major subgroups. And that was, they would sit there and there was four major standards. And there would be three tribes or four gathered under each one of those. Yet they would have their own tribal standard and then they would have, many of them, a family standard. So they would have all of these different standards. What was it for? In case you got turned around, you could be able to look around and see where you belonged. So you look and say, okay, my goodness. Now you imagine when they set this up, it is estimated that there was 2.2 million people that were here when this is written in the book of Numbers. So 2.2 million people. This camp was miles spread out this way and this way and this way and this way. We're talking about an encampment so large. It would have been a good sized city. So if you would have got turned around, you imagine these tents, a lot of them look similar. So you get out, you're going over here to visit somebody from Deruba. You're going over there to Naphtali to visit somebody over there. And you're coming back around and you're saying, oh my goodness, what in the world, where am I? Where am I? Well, you know, if you would be able to be trained and taught, you'd be able to look up and you'd see hanging up on a pole that would be your banner, your tribal standard. Well, now once you get there, there's three, if not four tribes in that direction where you are. You still don't know exactly where you're going. So what you do, once you get into the subgroup, you identify yourself, okay, I'm, I'm in the right camp. At least I'm in the right camp. I'm in the camp of Judah. But I live in a certain place in the camp of Judah. So I just can't come in the camp of of Judah anywhere, but I've got a certain camp and I've got another tribe because actually I'm not of the tribe of Judah, but that's the sub-tribe that I belong to. So then you go to looking around and you're looking and you're looking and you're looking for your own tribe. Oh, Oh, okay, there it is, over there it is. I found it now, I found it. So now you get over there, now you're in more the direction of where you should be, but you still belong to a certain family inside that certain tribe, inside that certain camp, inside this certain encampment. Can't you see why Satan hates order? And this is why people don't know who they are. They don't know where they're supposed to go to church. They don't know who the pastor is. Come on, somebody. They don't know if they belong in the seven thunders. They don't know if God's got seven thunders. They're not even sure. They're not sure if they're supposed to be in the two-soul group. They're not sure if you should just play tapes only and stay home. They don't know where they go. Let me tell you something, friend. There's a lot of mixed up people inside the ranks of this message. And it's so sad. So you find some then that are raising new flags and new standards. And they say, well, we're a message church over here, but we're really not gonna preach the message. What we're gonna do is we're gonna kinda hold it to ourselves so that we can kinda build up our church, you know. And, and we're gonna build up our church, but we're not gonna preach on earrings and makeup and dress, and we're certainly not gonna mention Brother Ram's name because if we do, that would run people off. 
So we're, we're just flying up a, a new standard and it's kind of got this man's picture on it and that man's picture and you know this and that and the other. And you're standing there trying to figure out what in the world is all that? I don't, I don't understand it at all. And you're trying to identify what it is. Well, but each one of us in reality, every person here is identified by a standard. Every one of you, men, women, boys, girls, you all are identified by a certain standard. I hope it's the right one. Now, the Lord Jesus has got a standard by which he will fly over his bride. It will be those under that banner that go in the rapture. You see, he's not looking for the seven thunder banner because that is a man-made system. He's not looking for the two-soul banner. He's not looking for the Perugia banner because, again, that's a man-made system. But what he's looking for is the banner that he himself stretched over his elect, and they will be gathered from the four corners of the earth in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Praise the Lord. Now, from all of these camps, of course, there will be elect that will be called out of all that. So they were under this strict regulation for encampment, for march, and movement. Can you imagine now 2.2 million people, and they all get ready to move. Okay, they're going somewhere. All right, well, they're, they're moving from here, and they're fixing to head down to Greenville, we'll say. 2.2 million people. Well, can you imagine them all just, hey, I'll see you, I'll see you down there. I'm going down this way. Hey, I know there's a shortcut across the mountain down there and I'm going down there. Moses said, no, no. The Levites are gonna carry the word on their shoulders and everybody will get right in line and they even had to march in a certain order. They had to move in a certain order. They had to go to church in a certain order. Well, praise the Lord. They had to leave in a certain order. They had to move in a certain order. They had to change encampment in a certain order. Well, praise the Lord. You see, God himself is the one who instituted this. Now notice again, every man in his place by their standards. So every individual has several identification parts that will identify where he goes. So we'll be under a subcamp, then he will find his own tribal standard, and then he will find his own family. So the tabernacle was what it was in the center of all this encampment. Now notice this, you can read this with me. On the east side of the camp were the tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Now notice again, they did not toss lots. They did not vote. Well, I, I like Judah, I'd like to be on, on Judah's side. You never got to choose that. Actually, God himself was the one that gave these names to Moses. Can't you see why the prophet of God told us if we would go to God and ask God, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? That we would save ourselves and God so much trouble if we find where we belong. Notice, so the east side is the tribes of Judah and Issachar and Zebulun. On the south side of the camp, the tribes of Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. On the west side of the camp, the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Now these are the tribes which were all the descendants of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. So God let all of them be in the same camp. Oh, isn't it amazing how he does things? On the north side of the camp 
are the tribes of Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Let's show them some images, brothers. Now, it was God himself who orchestrated this, and this is all by his divine order. Now, I want you to notice an artist's rendition. Anybody see a symbol in that layout that you recognize? What do you see? A cross. A cross. Now, look at them, how that it's laid out. So here are 2.2 million people. And notice what is in the middle, the tabernacle. So every person's life is supposed to be aimed toward the tabernacle. What's in there? The word and grace, of course, and the manna, the shekinah, the presence of God, the pillar of fire at night. And here they are sitting all around, camped around the presence of God, that every life should be focused on the word and the word, Christ Jesus, should be the center or the focal part of the camp. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, if we could ever get him the focal part of our life, you talking about some camp meetings, we'd have some. Oh my. So notice now God is the one who laid this out and even, even in the size and all that we've dealt with of course years ago. But the, the length was a certain size, the breadth was a certain size. So many cubits high, so much this, so much that. Silver on this part, gold on that part, blue on this, purple on that. So it was not a haphazard something. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if we don't take it too lightly when we come to the house of God. People won't even pray before they come to church and won't read the Bible. They'd rather stand outside and talk 30 minutes before church and then walk right in out of that old carnal fellowship thing instead of coming in and sitting down and closing their, you know, the world off to them and reading their Bible, sitting there reading a message book and praying and said, oh God, come this way tonight, Lord, I've got a need. My brothers and sisters have needs. I wonder, I wonder if it would not make a change and how the presence of God would feel more welcome if we ourselves would put forth that effort. But we're afraid somehow, I think. We're so afraid of what God might do. But I want you to notice now God is the one who placed them. Notice these tents, how they're set out. Notice the posts, they're spaced exactly on the outer wall. The stakes are exactly on the outer wall. Now, let me show you some scriptures. Okay, brothers, hold those for a minute, just fade out the screen. Genesis chapter 22, verse nine. Let's see how God relates to order. And they came to the place which God had told him of. This is Abraham now. And Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood. Well, I wonder why I didn't just throw it over in a big pile and just say, you know, throw that old ladder over there and just, why am I gonna, I don't wanna get no form. I don't wanna get no fashion. I'll tell you one thing, glory to God, I'm a free man. Hallelujah, I'm free out here. A lot of folks don't even understand freedom, do they? I was in such bondage in Pentecost and shouted nearly every night. But if I didn't shout, I was backslid. Uh-huh, got to a spot if you didn't speak in tongues, if you didn't run the aisles, if you didn't, didn't do this and that and the other, and that's just as much a form as people who sit in church and never move their arms and you get under such legalism that if you don't run and don't jump, then you ain't had church, and you sat around and judge the people around you, and let me just go ahead and tell you the truth. There's some people in the church that probably never will shout. As a matter of fact, I doubt very sincerely 
Jesus ever did. Do you honestly think Jesus Christ preached like me? Do you think Jesus Christ preached like Brother Darrell? Do you think Jesus was a, you know, some type of evangelist that just run back and forth across the platform? But the Bible says he sat and talked, but there was never anybody any more anointed than he was. But if we're not careful, we think emotions is the anointing. Now the anointing will move on our emotion, but it does not mean that everybody that is emotional is anointed. If that's so, at the Cincinnati Reds ball game, they ought to have a great powerful anointing. Well, come on, you can see that down at the little deal down here in Elizabeth and sometimes the way they scream and holler and carry on. They ain't got a bit more anointing than the man in the moon. Now watch, Abraham laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the wood, Exodus 26, 17. Two tenons, now this was a tabernacle that I just showed you there. Two tenons shall there be in one board. Now the tenons is what joined it together. Set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. So what you saw in one board, you saw in every other board. So it was not random that God said, well, put two, you're three, there, five, there. Y'all just do whatever you want to do. I, I, you know, I really don't even care. Y'all just do whatever you want to do. You understand, that's where Laodicea is. So if they want to come to church with alcohol on their breath, they do. I mean, go said the way they look at it, God, you know, God loves us the way we are and just be what you are. So you just come to church, dress anyway, live anyway, do whatever you want to do, and God accept that. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Oh yeah, you come to God being a drunk, he'll save you, but there are no drinking Christians. Oh, hallelujah. But we got Christian drug addicts and we got Christian alcoholics. And now, of course, we got Christian transgenders. You gotta be kidding me. We got Christian homosexuals. We got Christian, well, come on, don't sit there and look at me funny. We've got pastors that are transgenders. We've got Christian pastors that are homosexual. I don't care what they say, God's word condemns such a thing. It is contrary to his Bible. But you see, when we do away with God's order, then we think somehow we will force on God what we want God to have. There ain't nobody telling me to clap my hands. There ain't nobody telling me to say amen. Bless God, nobody's telling me that. Well, you're allowed to see him then, you see. You won't follow God's protocol. Oh my goodness, Brother Donnie, I'm not gonna do such thing. Well, I'll say it as it's been said before. You know, I don't care if God shouts me, dances me, jumps me around, jerks my head, jerks my foot, my leg. I don't care what he does. I don't care if I speak in tongues, sing in tongues, or crow in tongues, as long as I'm saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, that's what matters to me. I'm more concerned about God's order than I am a lot of folks' order. Notice in Exodus 39, 37, the pure candlestick with the lamps thereof, even with the two lamps to be set in order and all the vessels thereof and the oil for light. Leviticus 1, 7, and the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 33, Elijah, and he put the wood 
Ah. So this is after the prophets of Baal have jumped and screamed and hollered and carried on. Why didn't he just go over there and grab a hold of a sacrifice and just cut its neck, pile it up on the rest of that stuff? He said, I ain't doing that like that. God's a God of order. So what'd he do? He had stones brought in and a riding mound of stones. And he had a ditch dug. I imagine it took him a while to set, set up that church, wouldn't you? And he wanted to land it all out. He wanted everything to be in order, but divine protocol. He knew God had a spiritual numerology. He knew it was threes, it was fives, it was sevens, it was forties, it was twenty-ones. He knew that God had a spiritual numerology and that God must be worshipped in the right way. You all understand the same thing tonight? God must be worshipped the right way. And I'll tell you what the Jesus said, the Father's gonna seek such to worship him, those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Some people have a lot of spirit and ain't got much truth. A lot of folks have got a lot of truth, so they say, and ain't got much spirit. I want both here. Anybody else want that? I want spirit and I want truth. I'm not interested in fanaticism. Oh, sure, I'll take a little bit of wildfire instead of no fire at all, but I don't figure we have to have wildfire or no fire. I figure we can have the right amount of word and spirit and worship and singing and praying. Come on, somebody. I believe the Lord God. God wants us to be able to have the divine order. That don't mean we don't praise him. That don't mean we don't worship him, but it means we come with respect into his august courts. We don't come in and just throw our sacrifice down and just give him whatever we want, but we give him things that cost us something. Sometimes it ain't him wanting your money. It's him wanting your hands raised up. He knows your arms are tired because you've worked hard today but he says daughter do you love me enough to raise them tired arms do you love me enough son to raise them tired arms oh they're hurting and they're aching oh but glory to God if you raise them up when you take them back down you might get healed well that happened to a young brother sitting right here tonight that happened not long ago I made that very remark in the service and he couldn't hardly even raise his arms but he put his arms up in the presence of God and went to worship in the Lord and what he took them back down, they were healed. Hallelujah. God may be waiting for you to raise them tired arms. He may be waiting for you to clap them tired hands. He may be waiting for you to put forth the effort. Well, you're talking about, Brother Donnie, this is the order of Melchizedek. It is the order of sacrifice. It is the order of worshiping God, whether you feel like it or whether you don't. You go to church and you love and you praise. Hallelujah. Because you are called to do so. Notice Elijah put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood. Notice everything so meticulously done. And said, fill four. How many knows what the number four represents? Anybody? Four is the number of earthly deliverance. Earthly deliverance. At least that's what the prophet said. Fill four barrels with water. Why not five? Why not three this time? Four is the number of earthly deliverance and the people of God's fixing to be delivered from Baal worship. Fill four barrels of water and pour it on the sacrifice 
and on the wood. You know the rest of the story. First Chronicles 15, 13, for because he did it not, at the first the Lord our God made a breach upon us. Now notice the children of Israel broke the commandment of God. And God then made a breach, a breach upon the children of Israel for that we sought him not after the due order. You understand there's been four great dispensations since the cross of God pouring out of his anointing from around the throne. After each one of those pouring out of the beast's power, the people got away from the worship under that due order. Our time will not be any different. Satan will be allowed an opportunity to try to pull us out from under the due order of divine worship and revelation of the word under the eagle anointing. But we're not going to let him have it. Hallelujah. Now, you say, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, New Testament. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty four. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set. Paul, the first church age messenger, a man with the Holy Ghost is going to set some things in order in the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let all things be done. Ah, decently and in order. Wow, so you mean people can worship God and be emotional? And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about having a spell and do it decently. You see, the Spirit of God will never move on a woman to make her shout and do it ungodly. Or a man. Preach, Brother Donnie. I'm with you, Brother Donnie. Amen, Brother Donnie. Glory to God, Brother Donnie. See, I told you I can do that. So this man wants a move of God among the people, but he knows God well enough to know God will never do anything indecent, ungodly, or filthy. Praise the Lord. You see, I told Carol several years ago, the message people, many of them have never even seen a Pentecostal move. They've never really seen much manifestation of gifts. She can stand and be a witness to this tonight. We've talked about it several times. And I've told her, I said, if there ever breaks forth a move around this message that's of the supernatural order, that's gifts, it will be absolutely amazing how many people will follow it and leave the word for it. Why? They never saw it. And you see, if you've never saw it and known what it was, because we've had two moves by the same name, it's real easy to use the same name and slip the latter and try to identify people that it's the former. So you can understand what I'm saying. We've had two moves called Pentecost, the original and the 1906. And if Satan can't convince you that you don't need Pentecost, then he'll do his second scheme, and that is try to slip in 1906 Pentecost and convince you it's the original. Uh Uh-huh, praise the Lord. 
But remember, God will never do anything out of order. And the church said. Now, I saw a man one night, a preacher in a tent down in Albany, Kentucky, and Carol and I was at that meeting. And that preacher prayed for a woman, unbuttoned her blouse, put his hand right in her blouse. Uh-huh. Prayed for her. Ungodly. Indecent. Called me out after he called her out and told me the words that I prayed that day. Repeated the words of my prayer in the way that I prayed them. If that ever breaks out in our ranks, God have mercy. Hello. <laughs> God never does anything out of order. Don't you, can you imagine how I felt when I was sitting there? Of course, I'm questioning that man. Absolutely, I'm questioning. I'm sitting and saying, how in the world? I'm, I'm sitting as close to him, to Brother Benton, to where the woman was. And I, I thought, Lord, have mercy. How can that be? And call me out right after that and tell me the words that I said. And then there you sit thinking, how can that be? Oh, you can't imagine how I heard a tape. July the 25th, 1965. The anointed ones at the end time. And when I heard that, Brother Jim, I thought, oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. No, friends, I'm not interested in going back to that. You know why? Because that was not the original acts. Come on. That was Laodicea, and it was a mixture of the good and the bad. I want the original. I want the true, but I am not accepting no fake. I am not accepting a hit and a miss and a hit and a miss and a hit and a miss. That might work on your old Model A, but I don't want a Model A. I want rapture power. I don't want no hit, no miss, no hit, no miss. I need hit on all cylinders. I need to leave this world. Hallelujah. We need to get out of this place. Notice the meaning of this word, this New Testament word, order. I thought the meaning of this, the name of this word in the Greek actually was absolutely beautiful. It's the word taxi, T-A-X-I-S, taxi. And it means an arrangement, arrangement, a fixed succession, observing a fixed time, orderly condition, the post, rank, or position which one holds in a civic or other affairs. And since this position generally depends on one's talents, experiences, resources, character, fashion, quality, and style. So you mean this is the word that Paul used describing the church of the living God. Hallelujah. So you see, God is not against divine order. As a matter of fact, he's the author of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Paul said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Titus 1, 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest 
Now remember, there's over 100 cities in the island of Crete. They had had a revival from the north to the south. Very narrow island. Thousands of people live there. And Paul was called away. And Titus is going in Paul's stead. And Titus is actually going to go in the churches and work with the local churches and going to ordain elders. You see, the church was not multiplied by one man feeling led to go here and another and feeling led to go there and another and feeling led to go there. But it was organized under the apostolic order. Well, come on, somebody, preach with me. Under the apostolic order, you didn't just go out and start a church. That's not the Bible. Show me. Show me. You did not go out and start a church on your own. You were sent from the church. That's how the church gave birth. They didn't miscarry. They gave birth. Then Paul had sent this man and he was to ordain elders in every city. Well, wait a minute. What about this guy? Didn't he fill it, fill it? Show me in your Bible and I'll preach it. But until you do, I'll preach this. And I'll tell you before you even search it, you ain't gonna find it. Cause it's not the original order. Now, most of us absolutely are so against organization. And why are we? Cause it's a man-made system, right? But not only does man make systems, but man makes churches too. You see, a man-made church does not have a foundation off the word. A man-made church does not give birth the way the word said. Neither does it go out from the church the way the word said. Right. Testing one, two. I must be losing, losing you all somehow. You see, God has an order. And a church that is not set up on God's order will not last. Oh, but we've got God's blessings. Oh, sure, the children of Israel had them for years and years, and every one of them's days was numbered, and those unbelievers died in the wilderness, and yet God fed them, God watered them, God gave them clothes, and ain't none of us God's ever blessed like them, and yet they were doomed and damned. The blessing didn't change one thing. Oh, the prophet said a young man come to him not long ago and said, Brother Branham, the Lord loves me so much, he'll just let me get by with anything. I can just do anything I want. Can't you understand? That's what blinds people when they leave the word and the blessing of God continues on. They said, see there? I must be in the will of God. I must be in the will of God. God's blessing me. Boy, I'll tell you one thing, but God is trying you. Don't you understand why the prophet said in God's chosen place of worship, why does God even allow those other gates in order to tempt you by in order to see, will you stay with my word? Will he allow false prophets to come among us? Yes, he will. Will he allow false preachers to rise up? Yes, he will. What for? In order to try his bride. And when it's all said and done, that bride will never move from that word. Mm. Oh my. Notice Isaiah 62, 10. Now watch, can I have a few more minutes? God all down through the Old Testament in various situations and dispensations, he would use these terms of lifting up a standard. And this was scripture, he says, go through, go through the gates, prepare you the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Lift up a standard. So this was also an allusion to the soldiers. Because the soldiers in the middle of battle, 
and everybody's fighting and dust is arising and bullets is going on and people are bloody and some of them's falling and some's running. You, you imagine trying to find which side you're on? And then you wake up in the middle of that battle and you look around and everybody you look at is not on your side. And you found yourself in the middle of the battle and you swap sides. And you wasn't even aware. You had it in the world that you get into that. You got under a delusion of some sort. You got amnesia. And you don't even know which side you go on. Oh, well, what am I doing? Oh, no, oh, no. What in the world? I'm on the enemy's lines. I'm on the enemy's side. How could that be? How am I going to find my way back? God said, lift up a standard. Somebody raise up a standard high so they can look and see they got caught away for a little bit. They got sidetracked for a little bit, but raise a standard. That's what I'm trying to do, friends. I'm trying to raise a standard. Other true men of God, that's what they're trying to do. Oh, they got lots of opposition and it confuses the people because one preacher will lift up this standard and another preacher said, no, 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 don't believe him. I've got the standard. Then another said, no, no, no. Both of them are wrong. I've got the standard. But you remember, a God-called man will never leave that word. And he won't dissect that word and take one quote here and one quote there. And then you send them 52 more and they won't even read one of them. There's something wrong with the standard he's flying. Come on, children. The Holy Ghost can say amen to God's word. Hmm. Notice Isaiah 11:10, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, hear the Lord Jesus in the prophecy, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. Something lifted up, a standard, a signal, a banner, a standard as a rallying point. Can't you see, we've been here, we've been here for many, many years and many times we've been here. And Satan will raise up a man and he'll start blowing the trumpet and holding up the standard. This is it. This is the bride's revival. And people go to hearing about it. Boy, here they come. Here they come. Man, they go to moving. They go to doing this and that and the other. It don't take them long being there to realize that ain't no bride's revival. It's an emotional stir jumping and shouting around some man and his gift. Uh-huh, preach, Brother Donnie. Isaiah 49, 22, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring, listen to this, they shall bring thy sons in their arms and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Praise God. You see, whenever it's the standard of God, it's not only good for daddy, it's good for mama. It's good for your young'uns. It's good for the backslider. Psalm 60 and four, thou hast given a banner, something lifted up, a standard, a signal. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth, Selah. Oh, praise the Lord. And I've been wanting to get to this verse right here all night long. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Now, what you notice, the twofold of this, from the groom 
to the bride. He brought me to the banqueting house. Actually, this word has a couple of different meanings. One of them is the house of wines, W-I-N-E-S. So it wasn't just a kitchen where they sampled it, but it was a room where they become so intoxicated. Revelation after revelation after revelation. He brought me to the banqueting house. So one use of the Hebrew word there is house of wines. But it has multiple aspects in the meaning of the word. And it also means that it is a house. It signifies wealth. And the food that is prepared in this place is not your ordinary fare. It's not your ordinary stuff. It's food that are real fine delicacies. Now, some of this may not sound very fine to some of you, but in different parts of the world where I've been, some of the people in that place wanted to give me some of their rarities. I just assumed they kept them. Woo! Lord have mercy. I mean, to them, it's precious. To them, it's, you know. And I say, brother, I'll tell you what, I, I believe I'm fasting today. <laughs> well, they take an egg and bury it in the ground and leave it there for several weeks. Uh-huh, and you can imagine what it smells like. But to them, it is a delicacy. You know, to the Romans, a peacock sat on the table before a magistrate or at a great banquet, a, a peacock would have been set there and they, there's real artisans in the way they would prepare it, the Italians, and they would set it with the tail all spread out and the head. And then they would take the meat, of course, and lay it out. So when you walked in there, the food you were eating let you know how he thought about you. So your rank, glory to God, your rank and your position and the man giving the banquet, the food that he fed you, let you know what he thought about you. So I don't mind telling you, little bride, he must really think highly of you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. He has not given us a warmed up leftover from Luther or a warmed up leftover from Wesley. But Brother Benton, all seven seals have him open for those who are ready to receive the word of God. Hallelujah. So the richest and the finest of culinary artistry. Anybody know what that means? You bunch of hillbillies, you just like me, you don't even know, huh? Fine cooking. Fancy stuff. You know how it is whenever it's around our house. Oh my, you're getting that humdrum of life, you know, and you just grab paper plates and, you know, you don't even drag out your china no more. We live in such a fast pace and COVID done something to us, I guess. But we just drag out the paper plates. Can you imagine dragging out paper plates on Thanksgiving? 
Oh, you sisters will reach in there and grab out your fake silver and you'll drag out your platters, maiden China, and you will drag out your fine cups and this and that and the other and boy, mama's coming over and grandma's coming over and grandpa's coming over and you spread that table and there's your turkey and dressing and your cranberry sauce and your brown gravy and white gravy for those who don't like the brown and you've got them fine yeast rolls and that butter. You've got that fine honey sitting there. Lord, we're gonna have to dismiss and go eat, ain't we? You've got all that sitting there but you know what? You don't do that every day, do you? You don't cook like that every day. Why? It's a special occasion. Well, the Lord God has been waiting for this hour. (laughs) He has been waiting for this hour. So what's he done? He took the special seven seal, call glory to God, meal for his waiting bride on the earth. A little jumping and a shouting won't get us there. It's got to be a fine course. It shows us what he thinks about us by the fire that is set before us. There could be nothing no better. There could be nothing no richer. There could be nothing more edible, nothing more suited to the bride than a seven course meal with the power of God anointing the men of God to preach the word of God of the end time. I was in the Intercontinental Hotel in Nairobi, Sister Hope, Kenya, several years ago. Oh, my whole trip to Africa, I was so careful in what I eat and what I drink because I didn't want to get sick. I brushed my teeth in Coke. That's what they told me to do. That's what I did. You're the Romans, you do it. If the Romans brush their teeth in Coke, then you would brush your teeth with Coke. I wouldn't eat no salad. I wouldn't eat nothing with the water. I said, don't do it, brother darling, don't do it. But we get to that intercontinental hotel and I walk in there and this is the very last night. It's on a Saturday night. We're gonna have service on Sunday. Brother Obadiah Kamwadi. I'm telling you what, they had a spread. International, intercontinental hotel is an international hotel chain around the world. So I walk in there and say, Lord, have mercy, I was a slobber like a mad dog. I mean, there was beef, there was chicken, there was all kinds of salads, and the, and the Kenyans, of course, under the British influence, so they had a lot of really nice food. I load up my plate, little did I know. Ooh, there was some little parasite hanging in one of them air bowls. Before the daylight struck the next morning, I thought I was going to see Brother Branham. and Gabriel and Michael and everybody else in that realm. I was so sick, I thought I was gonna die. I was deceived. I trusted them people. I asked them, is this safe for an American? Yes, 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 all good, all good. I trusted them. The next morning, I was nearly dead. So we're going to church on Sunday morning. I'm with Brother Doug McHughes. I said, Brother Doug, buddy, I ain't gonna be able to go to church. They said, oh yeah, you're going, you're preaching. I said, Brother Doug, I can't even get up. 
I went to the bathroom all night long. I'm laying there balled up in a ball like this. My stomach is killing me. You'll be fine. We'll send somebody after you. I said, no, Brother Doug, I'm begging you. I can't, I can't do this. You'll be fine. We'll pray for you. Sure enough, they send somebody there. My goodness, I don't remember Sister Hope. I remember seeing there a couple thousand people, whatever. You talking about worshiping God. I'm telling you what, them Kenyan believers, I'd love to go back and preach to them again before I get it sold. I can't go. You talking about, Brother Joel, you would turn yourself inside out. Being among them saints, they love God. I, I was there several years before them, had a tent meeting, estimated about 5,000 people there, and there's about 40 cars sitting out there. All the rest of them had either thumbed or bicycled or whatever. I mean, they come to have church. They wouldn't like us soft Americans. They come to the house of God to have church. Oh my, I hear a brother knock on the door, and I'm thinking, oh no, God, I can't, I can't do this, there ain't no way. I got up, I said, brother, I can't, I'm holding my belly, oh God, oh God, oh God, please help me. I said, brother, I can't go, brother, come. brother McHugh said, come on. Brother, come what? He said, come on. I said, tell brother, come on. I said, no. He said, no, brother. He said, tell you to come on. I said, I'm not ready. He said, I'll wait on you. Every excuse I had, he had an answer. The point of my story was my whole trip, this is my 21st day, my whole trip, I watched every bite I ate until they convinced me it was good. And it was some of the best looking food I'd seen. And I ate and I paid. I was so weak when I got to church, I couldn't hardly even stand up. I told the brothers, I said, you're going to have to walk beside me to get me out. There's no way I'm going to get there. So they helped me get out on the platform. And I took my text, read the scriptures. And I said, I'd like to preach to you this morning on a drink for the king. Yeah. Well, by the time the Lord got done with that service, the king had a drink. You can imagine. I mean, them people shouting, screaming, the anointing come on me. In a matter of minutes, it was like a jar, a bolt of lightning hit me. I never had not one more stomach pain. I never had one more weakness. I run, I screamed, I hollered, I shouted. There was a wet trail back and forth across that pulpit. Oh my, did we have a time. And as soon as the anointing left me and I walked off that platform, I grabbed my belly again. I nearly died. I don't know if some of y'all remember or not, when I got home, my eyes changed colors. My eyes turned the color of orange about that sister's blouse color, her blouse. It took me weeks and weeks to get over it because the food looked so sumptuous. It looked so nice, and they gave me their word. This won't hurt you. I'd have been better off to brush my teeth and coke and went to bed. Preachers will lie to you. They will tell you this is God's word. This will help you. This is what you'll need. But don't you never leave God's great program. Hallelujah. Don't you love him? So here we are sitting in this grand, 
banqueting house. All the stately dignitaries are there and all the majesty of his omnipotence. All these fine delicacies are there. Wow, we're looking at this food and saying, man, a lot. I ain't never seen no food like that. Now, you raised poor like I was. We had beans, taters, and maters. And then other meals, we had maters, taters, and beans. You see, Mama said it in a different way, so it makes you think it had something more. I was giving Eliana a little update on her poppy's background yesterday. I took her to a doctor's appointment. She's talking about how crowded it is in their house and how small their bathroom is and all that. I said, yeah, honey, I know, but I, I just don't know what else we can do. I just don't know anything else we can do about it. I said, but let me tell you a story. You see, when Poppy was a little boy, we lived in a house that didn't even have a bathroom in it. We didn't have running water. The running water was me running outside to bring the water in. That was running water. And mom and daddy finally got an FHA loan and was able to build a house. I'm sure you remember it, Harry. Little brick house, pretty little house. 1,200 square feet. Three bedrooms, one bath. A mama and a daddy and seven youngins. Ellie's conclusion to that story was, well, I guess we're blessed. Because they got three bathrooms in their house. Boy, when we moved into that house, I mean, we was uptown. We had brick. Wow. And we could go into the bathroom and do this, and water would run out of that thing. Man, alive. Well, when I was in Pentecost, I ate shucks every way they could be prepared. Dried shucks, wet shucks, scalloped shucks, deep fried shucks, barbecue shucks, marinated shucks. But I don't mind telling you since I've been called to the banqueting temple of the king, I don't eat no more shucks. Shucks, no. And then people leaving this word and want to take us with them? Just because they lost their mind don't mean we're losing ours. I want to go back to that stuff. Can you imagine, Brother Phil, some of the people that have said in the message, said in message churches and left the message and gone back to Trinitarian churches and some of them that was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus have been rebaptized in the name and titles? And they said under this message, well, they may have sat under it, but they sure didn't have no revelation of it. But you know, the prophet said about some of them people, he said this food was too rich for them. Made them sick to their stomach. I've come to realize that some that sat in our own church was the same way. I preached too hard for them. I preached too much of the message for them. And I studied too much. And I preached too high. They'd rather have a preacher that don't really do a lot of preaching and don't really demand much of them. You know, a lot of folks want a kind old priest type. 
just goes around fellowships with everybody and gets up and preaches about 15 or 20 minutes. Can you honestly believe that's going to put you in a rapture? I desire more than anything in this world to leave here when the rapture comes. And I believe my diet will determine whether I go or not. If I'm sitting at the table and he himself is handing me delicacies, here, Donnie, have you ever tried this before? I said, oh, my Lord. What is that called? Deity of Jesus Christ, 1949. Deity is no longer in heaven, but it's on the earth in the hearts of the believers. Wow, man, that is strong stuff. That is good stuff, Lord. You got any more of that? You just getting started, boy. Yes, I've got more. I've got more, and there's more to come with it. You imagine them sitting down there in the land of Egypt. Moses giving them again orders. Take a lamb, do this certain, certain thing, sod it, don't do it this way like you've always done. I want you to do it exactly this way. Don't do it that way, do it this way. I want you to eat it with bitter herbs. Lay aside the sweet herbs that you like. Lay aside the seasoning, your favorite season. Don't even cook it that way at all. Do such and such with the blood. Do this, do this, do that. Boy, it looks like a bossy bunch. Hmm. Old fella sitting out of the hump, he's back all humped over. Hey, boy, I'm all day one day, and you cooked a lot of lamb. I believe this is the best chair lamb you ever fixed. What would you get that recipe? God. God. Hmm. You got more of that lamb, on? I'd like to have a little more of that. He reached over to get it. He felt a little warm feeling over that hump in his back. He said, glory to God. What was they doing? Eating the lamb before the journey. You're either going to eat yourself to a rapture or you're going to eat yourself to a nuclear annihilation. To me, there's no comparison. So what do you say we sit at the banqueting table? And then we look up and we say, oh my Lord, I'm sitting at his banqueting table and his banner, his ensign over me is his name. Love. For God is So he conquered you, not by fear, not by trauma. He conquered you by love. Pulled you into the banqueting house, and then Brother Darrell set up the standard over us. And then every now and then we look up there at it just to be reminded, I'm not here because I'm scared. I'm not here because I'm afraid I'm gonna be lost. I'm here because of that banner. And the banner over me, is love. He called me to 
His banqueting table, his banner over me is love. He called me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. Oh, he called me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. Oh, let's worship Him now. Oh, I am His and He is mine. His banner over me is love. I am His and He is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm going in the rapture. His banner over me is love. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. His banner over me is love. I'm predestinated to be in the bride of this hour. His banner over me is love. His banner over me. Oh, don't you love it? Oh, let's worship him now. Praise God. Oh, I am his and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I am his and he is mine. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I am his and he his banner over me is love. Oh, his banner over me is love. Hallelujah. Oh, I heard his voice call me out. His banner over me is love. He called me from a world of his banner over me is love. He planted his seed down in my soul. His banner over me is love. Oh, his banner over me. Oh, let's love him. Let's just worship him back now. Oh, thank God I am his. Oh, I am his and he is mine. Now what banner do you want to wave to him tonight? A banner of anger? A banner of frustration? No. A banner of love. A banner of praise. Why don't you raise both of your banners right now and wave it before the Lord Jesus? Oh, thank you, Lord God. Oh, his banner over me is love. Lord, I am my beloved's. Oh, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. His banner over me is love. 
anymore. We sat at the table and he revealed to us his name. We don't have to wonder for more than one God. We sat at the banqueting table and he took the veil off of himself and let us see who he was. Praise be to God. Why would we want to stop eating this food now, children? I say we eat and we eat and we eat until one day we're changed. Oh my I told Carol the other day, I said, can you imagine what a miracle it's going to be whenever we all sit together at the marriage supper of the Lamb? You know how it is now. Now we're going to have a little meal after church here with Brother Tim and then whenever they come on Saturday night and Sunday morning be with us and we'll have a little meal together. You know how stuff like that always is. You've already got 45 different chiefs and you've got 132 Indians and everybody wants to be the boss and tell this and what to do. And somebody forgets this and somebody else forgets that. I told Carl, I said, can you imagine the millions times millions of people that'll be gathered at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Nobody will be upset because it didn't get set close to Jesus. Nobody will be upset because it didn't get set close to their favorite preacher. There won't be one thing forgotten. There won't be one thing left out. Nobody will be mad at that supper. That'll be a miracle with themselves, won't it? There won't be nobody with the lips all pooched out when it's over. There won't be nobody upset. Won't be nobody aggravated. And whenever we've got there, everybody will be changed. Everybody will be so in love with one another. It'll be a love like we have never experienced before in our entire life. We won't want to go nowhere. There'll be no complexes among us. There'll be no oddities among us. Nobody will be backward and embarrassed and ashamed. And Well, I ain't got good enough clothes to sit by them. We'll all be wearing the same thing so you'll feel right at home. We'll all be clothed by the grace of God. Can you imagine, friends? I'm not talking about a fairy tale. I'm talking about our future home. That's the place we're going to. There will never be anybody upset. There'll never be another sick person. Oh my, don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? This is part of his banner. Can't you see the flag flying over the city when you walk in and they'll say, you're sweetheart. I made this just for you. You see that gate there? That gigantic gate, I made that just for you because I know women like pearls. And each one of them 12 gates are one pearl. Oh, my goodness. And we'll just say, oh, and you made that? I did. Well, you think about this paving here. Well, we think we're doing something if we get concrete. We think we're uptown if we get that fancy stamping stuff and all that, you know, that color stuff and we get it all clear cut and say, boy, ain't that pretty. I paid so much a square foot for my driveway. Can you imagine you get there and what you walk on is 24 karat? Pure gold. 
And he's making every bit of it for you. Because he loves you. Praise be to God. You are one blessed people. I know that by what you eat. I listen at what he feeds you. I listen to the men of God who come to this pulpit. I listen to them tapes that he sent his prophet to record for you years and years before you were ever born. And he recorded them for you so you could sit at the banqueting table and feast on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. How many loves him with all your heart? How many has a need in your body tonight or maybe a family member? Brother Darrell, I want you to come and offer prayer, please, for us. How many has a need in your body or maybe someone in your home? Oh, my, my, my. Many, many hands being uplifted. Praise the Lord. Share that testimony with them, but if you feel to, what you shared with me back there a while ago. Praise the Lord. I was uh, at Brother Samuel Browning's on Thursday, Thursday night, and uh, a brother came into the study. I was wanting a prayer cloth, uh, and they was going to take it right after service up to a, another city to, I believe it was his sister-in-law, and they was hoping that she would be alive when they got there because uh, cancer was consuming her body. And So me and Brother Browning and the brother prayed over this little piece of prayer cloth, and so they, they left after service and went up there. And Brother Samuel sent me a text yesterday that <clears throat> when they got up there, she was still alive and she actually gave her heart to the Lord, surrendered to the Lord. And she said, I'm not going out of here in a body bag. I'm going to live. The tumor was so large in her esophagus that it actually caused her lung to collapse. And she was on six liters of oxygen. The next day, she was down to two liters of oxygen. There was no fluid in her lungs. She was sitting up eating a hamburger, and when the doctor came in, he said he was totally amazed because he figured she had done be gone. But that's just the God that we serve. Amen. He's so wonderful. Me and Cheryl was in Pawnee, Oklahoma, a uh, week before last, I believe it was, and Brother Joel Pruitt's wife, he's Ben Pruitt's brother from down in Hardy, Arkansas, she had been bit by a tick that placed a bacteria in her body that made her extremely allergic to any kind of meat. They actually gave her an EpiPen and said, if, if you eat some meat unbeknownst and it causes your throat to swell, use this pen. And so she came up for prayer on Friday night and the saints of God prayed for the sister. When the service was over, she went over to the fellowship hall and ate a big bunch of barbecue. I talked to Brother Joel the other day, said, Brother Dow, she is completely healed. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you know, the Lord Jesus, he never said, did you feel it? But he did say, did you believe it? When Lazarus got the worst news that any man could ever get, he said, trouble the master no more. Your little girl is gone. Jesus gave him the answer to every bad report you'll ever get. When he touched him on the shoulder and said two words, only believe. Only believe. Do you believe? 
You say, well, Brother Darrell, I've, I've got a problem. Then you're just a candidate for a miracle. All, all miracles start with a problem. Amen. The day of the accident, when Brother Homer and Rachel was, was killed and Jessica was hurt so bad, there was an ambulance there for Rachel's body, and I asked if I could put my family in that ambulance. So we all gathered in the back of the ambulance, and we began to pray. And I told my family, he brought us to his banquet table, and his banner over us is love. That's what we prayed, because that's just the kind of God that we serve, no matter what we face in life. He's got it all in control. And the Bible says all things. Sometimes even when we don't understand, it's still working for our good. To bring us to that place he had of us in his mind before there's ever a world. Do you love him tonight? Brother said he wants to heal you a thousand times more than you want to be healed. So when we pray, whatever it is that's bothering you, you just lay it at the feet of Jesus and take his freedom. For he said, whom the Son hath made free is free indeed. Amen. Let's just lay hands on one another tonight. Heavenly Father, Thou who hast raised Christ from the grave has sent the promise of the Holy Ghost into the hearts of the believers. For Father, as our pastor quoted, Lord, and deity of Jesus Christ in 1949, the prophet also said, you're no longer in a manger, but it's now deity in you, the hope of all glory. And Father God, we believe that we're the tabernacle, that the anointing of the Almighty God that's come at this end time to bring light into the darkness dwells within the hearts of your people, Lord, here tonight. And Father God, there's needs among us, Lord, in a congregation this size, Lord. There's great needs, but none of them's greater than you, Lord. So, Father God, we know that cancer is nothing to you, that diabetes is nothing to you, that fear and anxiety and depression and all these mental issues is nothing to you, for thou art God, the creator of our body and the sustainer of our souls, and you who spoke to the storm and brought peace to it, dear God. You're the same God who can speak to whatever storm is in the life of your children tonight. Speak peace to it, Lord, we pray. And, Father God, I pray, Lord, that that same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave, that same anointing that gave Jessica back to me, may that same anointing tonight dear God fall upon the hearts of the people dear God and those that are afflicted may they see by the rising of the sun a change in their body because there is no God like you Lord and Father all you ever asked us to do was to believe you and as our pastor quoted tonight you said for us to ask you for big things because when we ask you for big things we believe that you're a big God so Lord I'm asking you tonight may every person in this building tonight be set free by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who said at the end time these signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover it's not could be it's not hope so it's not maybe but they shall recover father god that's your word and the prophet said you do not lie you don't keep your word 99 times out of 100 but 100 times out of 100 you'll keep your word to us father and all you've ever asked somebody to do was to believe you so father god tonight we believe you in the name of jesus christ god may back trouble leave may i Arthritis leave tonight. May sugar diabetes leave tonight. May fear leave tonight. May cataracts leave the people tonight. May cancers leave the people tonight. I pray in the 
name of Jesus Christ, for that's the kind of God that you are, Lord. And we believe you tonight, thou who brought your children of old out of the bondage of Egypt. Oh, Father God, once more, Lord, lead your children out of the bondage that the enemy has tried to place upon them, tried to tell them they'll never be no better, they'll never get well. It's a lie out of the pits of hell. Thy word has declared, dear God, that we're already healed and we receive thy word tonight. Let every man's word be a lie and thy word be true. In the name of Jesus Christ, I receive my healing tonight. I receive my victory tonight. I receive my deliverance tonight. I receive it for the glory of God and I will praise thee for it. I will worship you for it. I will declare it from the rooftop for thou art God. Oh, thou who set us on fire. Let the world see us burn, dear God. Let them know, Father, that the light is dwelling in the hearts of your people tonight. Grant it, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, liberate those who are on crutches. Liberate those who are on caves. Liberate those tonight, dear God. Grant it, I pray, Lord. Grant it, I pray, Lord. Hallelujah. We declare war on the enemy tonight. We are the possessors of the gates. Hallelujah. We are the gate possessor tonight. And we lock you out, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. For we are free, for whom the Son hath made free, is free indeed. Oh, blessed be thy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, do you receive it tonight? How many receives it tonight? Then lift your hands and praise him for it tonight. Thank him for it tonight. Lord, we thank you, God, that thou hear us when we pray. Yea, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you always hear us. For you said in your word, call unto me and I will answer thee. I believe it tonight, dear God. We took this weapon of prayer and we brought it to the heart of the enemy. And now we rejoice in the God who cannot fail. We receive it tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. May the God I come and leave my mother-in-law. May it leave her eyes in the name of Jesus. Grant it tonight, Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Grant it, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Thank you, Lord Wonderful. Hallelujah. Amen. My healer. My deliverer. The sustainer of my soul. The giver of my life. The keeper of my flame. My friend. My bridegroom. My king. My Lord. My shield. He's my all in all. Isn't he lovely tonight? Look how much he loves us. Look what he's done for us tonight. Hallelujah. Feasted off a seven-course meal. Amen. Little brother Trace used to say, it's just God, honey. It's just God. It's just God. There is no God like our God. Amen. Amen. You know I can't sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't he wonderful tonight? Amen.
I'll never forget that young girl up in Alaska that was an alcoholic. And I said, sis, you just lay the alcohol right here at the feet of Jesus and take your freedom. She began to scream out, I'm free. I'm free. Last time I was up there, she came up to me. She said, Brother Darrell, it's been two years, and I'm still sober. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all and all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all and all. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my own. You roll down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my own. Oh, sing it to him now.
of God to sit at his table to feast on his word amen what a privilege it is to be a Christian we desire your prayers tomorrow we'll even real early in the morning for uh, Missouri Deglina Missouri down at brother Ben Beard's meetings and they ask us tomorrow night if we would uh, share Jessica's testimony and sometimes you go into those <laughs> Just desire your prayer, the Lord, to just help us and we could maybe say something that would encourage somebody. And the meeting starts on Friday, runs through Sunday, and so desire your prayers. Just before we go, I was, <laughs> I, I've just got to share this. I may never get the opportunity again, but years ago, Brother Bo Smeaton, and I know he's listening tonight, and I, he may not remember it this way, but this is the way I remember it. But we was going into Trinidad for the first time, and this guy on the plane said, had you guys ever been to Trinidad? And we said, no, we've, we've never been there. And he said, well, you know, they eat dog there, don't you? And Burbo goes, dog? I said, no. And I thought, oh, man, we'll eat dog. <laughs> so we go to, to Brother Shama Ali's house, and we get out of the car. We're getting our bags out of the car. And coming around the side of the house is a German shepherd with six pups. So we take our stuff up to the room. In a few minutes, Brother Sean, he goes, brothers, brothers, says, come, come, says, my wife has prepared a little dish, some shepherd pot pie. <laughs> Brabo says, I'm fasting. <laughs> so, so then a few days later, we talked to Brother Sean, he said, we don't eat dogs, so that guy was just pulling your leg. <laughs> what was the chances of shepherd pot pie? <laughs> God's got a sense of humor, I believe you. Do you love him tonight? It's been so good to be here. Just go in the fear of the Lord. And I trust there'll be some great testimonies from your prayers tonight because our God answers prayer. Amen. And just remember when that one little rock rose off the mountain, the mountain's being moved. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, in this, in this hour living in of such fast food, Lord, and greasy spoons and this and that. We are so grateful, God, that we could come to the house of God and receive a well-balanced meal tonight. Full of vitamins of Alpha, and vitamin B for believe, and vitamin C for Christ, and vitamin D for deity, vitamin E for eternity. Oh, God, food that'll that will strengthen that spiritual man, Lord, to, to meet the battles that lay ahead. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Brother Donnie, and we ask God that you'd re- renew his strength, Lord. And Father, we realize the family's just been under such a tremendous burden, but Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, may you just do something wonderful for him, Lord, we pray. Because that's the kind of God that you are. And Lord, be with our brothers and sisters this week, and as we laid hands on one another, may, may, the, may the service be long this weekend because of the testimonies that's read of those that were touched as their brothers and sisters laid hands on one another in fulfillment of your word, Lord. And Father, we ask now that you go with our brothers and our sisters as they make their way home and watch over them, dear God. We live in such a time of such road rage and selfish driving, but God, may you go with them and bring them safely to their homes tonight, Lord, and bring them safely back this weekend, we pray. Lord, we ask that you watch over my family while I'm gone. Keep them safe, Lord till we can return. We love you, Lord, and give ourselves to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. You're dismissing the fear of the Lord tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me goodness of God all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God all my So, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire in darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God.
sing of the good. 